2: And today we are joined, and we're so excited to be joined by the host of the new podcast, All's Fair. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, It's my pleasure. I have nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know that's not true, but we do appreciate you being here. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners and about your podcast?
4: Yes. So I am a family law attorney, which is kind of a euphemism for a divorce attorney here in Southern California, and I've been practicing for over 20 years. And in 2018, we launched an online divorce website because the firm represents lots of famous rich people. And I thought it might be nice to be able to have a platform where people that weren't necessarily rich, could go and learn about family law, divorce, custody, cohabitation, um, child and spousal support, and also be able to get divorced online for like $1,500 instead of $150,000. And then as a result of having that platform, It's Over Easy... Uh, we were asked to do a podcast all about relationships. So it's called All's Fair, like All's Fair in Love and War. And we talk about breakups and makeups and hookups and partnerships and all that really interesting stuff.
2: Yes, yes, very interesting. And, And a full disclaimer, neither Samantha nor I are married have ever been married. I have been asked before, but that is a story for another day. What? I didn't know <laughs> Yes. Yes, I have. Um, but uh, so for someone like us or, or even someone who just has no idea, um, can you kind of walk us through the process of like, what does a divorce, what is that like? Wait, I do
3: want to add the caveat though. I have read a many... Mini- a tabloid stories, which I think you may have had some part in.
4: <laughs> I didn't have part in any of the stories. I might have been representing <laughs> one of the people that they were writing about, but besides <laughs> that, I, I'm a part of that breakups, that's for sure. Right. I just help them legally extricate themselves. I was going to say, that means you're a legend, and we stay. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you, Samantha. <laughs> So, I mean, look, divorce sucks. There's no question about it. And I do find that um, the divorce rate is going down. They're saying as a result of this pandemic, it might actually go up, but I'm not totally sure that I believe that. And I'll tell you why in a second. But the divorce rate's going down. And one of the main reasons the divorce rate's going down, at least in the United States, is that people are getting married either later or not at all. And I totally feel that. I've got two kids. I wasn't married to either of their dads, I'm not with either of their dads anymore either. But marriage is an institution that I'm sure works for some people. We definitely embrace it in our country. And it's never been something that necessarily like worked for me. I got married for about five minutes when I was 25. Beautiful, gorgeous, big wedding. It was great. And 14 months later, I was like, oh, really? Did we really do that? I don't have any regrets. I'm just saying like, and I didn't have kids with him and we're still like friendly, but I just don't know that it's necessary for everybody. And for those that it is necessary, I would just say, really, really know that that is a contract that you're entering into when you get married. Because people talk about prenups and they're like, I don't want a prenup. It's a contract. Getting married is a contract. You have like a contract with the florist and the caterer and the string quartet and everybody. But the contract that you enter into when you walk down the aisle is like the most huge contract ever, and if you don't know the law in your state when you get married, you may not necessarily realize what you're getting into because it's more than just the heart and and being in love and having kids or whatever else. It also affects your property. It affects your income and your expenses and your assets. And, of course, if you do have kids, it affects custody. So if you're going to have a child with somebody, you're pretty much going to have to be dealing with this person for the rest of your life. Know all of that before you get married, and if things don't work out and you have to get divorced, it won't be easy on your heart, but it might be easier on your head and on your bank account, because it shouldn't cost the money that I see people spending getting divorced, arguing, you know, about a, a coaster is ridiculous. And I, um, I see it firsthand because I am an, a family law attorney. I charge 950 dollars an hour. You better be giving some good f***ing advice. Sorry to bleep that. Sorry, Andrew. (laughs) But it just seems to me that if we kind of changed the way we approached marriage in our country, we would then absolutely need to change the way we approach divorce. As I said, I've got two kids. I'm really tight with both of their dads. During this pandemic, we've all been able to get along. Luckily, we live close. Luckily, we've all been on the same page, communication and consideration-wise about how we are social distancing from others and keeping things clean. So our kids go back and forth. Um, I know it's possible to have an amicable dissolution, whether it's a divorce or just a breakup. And so that's all. That's my whole gig, is just talking about it and trying to make it easier for people.
2: Yeah, and one of your whole things is reframing... Divorce. Um, So can you talk about that and how do we reframe it?
4: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not a divorce monger. I'm not saying like, hey, if you're like happily in a relationship, go out and meet somebody else at a bar and mix it up a little bit. But I do find, and I've been doing this a long time, both in life and as a profession, that most human beings don't mate for life. And so the question is, can we get together? Can we have shared awesome experiences? Can we find love? And again, can we also commit to having and raising children together without necessarily being together till death to us part. And so to reframe it, it's kind of like, hey, we had this amazing time. We've got these amazing memories. We probably are always going to know each other and frankly, be family together. And how do we now move on to the next chapter of our lives with each other in our lives, but not getting into the same bed every night and and being each other's significant other. And I I do think it's possible. I don't think it's too new agey. I'm older than you guys. I know that it works. And I think if the next generation approached things like that, we'd have healthier kids growing up.
2: So what does your job entail? (laughs) What is like a typical
4: kind of day for you? Well... There's a lot of kind of psychotherapy involved in it, which I'm probably... I yeah, what <laughs> yeah, am wondering if that's true, yeah. One of my clients just said to me, I got an email from him this morning because we were up late last night kind of talking through some things. I also do mediation. So I, rep- I work with he and his wife and they're already divorced, but they were having some issues surrounding this whole COVID-19. And she really felt like he wasn't doing enough to keep the kids from possibly contracting or even being carriers of the virus. And then when they came back to her house, she's got an elderly mom that lives with her. And she was like, dude, I, I don't want them going back and forth if you can't really, really guarantee. So we had this long conversation. And this morning, he was like, you're like a therapist. You're you know, <laughs> And particularly during these days of total uncertainty... In a lot of ways, I am, because we're not really able to get into the courts right now. Only domestic violence cases are really being heard in family courts across the country. We do a lot of stuff by virtue of private judges, and so those guys like will actually get on the phone or on a Zoom call with us. I was saying, you know, I had one with a judge the other day that was like at his kitchen table in a soccer jersey, and the wife was coming in the background and getting <laughs> stuff out of the fridge, and he actually made a determination about modification of support. But for the most part... You can't do anything except kind of talk to people about being reasonable and being kind to someone who, like I said, is going to be in your life forever. So there's a lot of phone calls. There's a lot of emails. When the courts were open, I would probably go to court maybe once or twice a week to deal with some skirmish about either custody or support or division of assets. Um, I spent a lot of time working on the startup, the it's over easy platform. So taking what I've learned over 20 plus years in this industry and kind of applying it to more people. And again, people that are likely to get divorced online are going to be younger people because they're more comfortable online and they're, you know, they, use TurboTax, they use you know, Bumble or Match.com. They do stuff online. They bank online. So they're comfortable with the idea of gleaning information online, finding out what the law is, reaching out for some help via video chat or something, and then being able to apply it to their situation. So we've done a lot with that over the past couple of years. That's a big part of my day and having team meetings. Um, lately, there's been a lot of public speaking, whether it be by Zoom or webinar, talking to mostly women, but men and women about these feelings of uncertainty and isolation. We did a video um, at the end of last year about next chapters and moving on. And we had people that were really great at meditating and people that dealt with finance and people that dealt with like, you know, beauty and health and people that dealt with, you know, child custody and what's the best way to talk to kids after a breakup. So we have that, that's out. I mean, really, like I said, just trying to give a little bit back and make it so that we... So that we've effectuated some kind of change, we call it the evolution of dissolution. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and That's you are brand the, new. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it feels like the the diso queen, correct? <laughs> yes, that is uh, one of those. Yeah, uh, TMZ. I'm the Disso queen. It's oh. kind of a, a dubious a dubious honor, actually. It's like uh, being the, you yes. know the queen of death or something like that. But
2: <laughs> well, you know, speaking of, a lot of listeners do write in and. They say they describe these feelings of of failure and of loss of identity when they go through a divorce, like especially if you see the name, like you have to change the name everywhere. And do you have any advice for for those listeners going through experiencing those kinds of things?
4: Yeah, I think you need to experience them, frankly. I think you need to grieve and sit with it for a minute And if you do, I think it's probably easier than to move on. And you do have to move on. I mean, like I said, I'm older. I know a lot of divorced women, a lot of divorced moms, whether they're in school, you know, with my kids or whatever. And that look, you know, that divorced mom look, you don't want to have that look. Like feel the upset, whether you got cheated on, whether there wasn't the money you thought, whatever bummer it was to be splitting up or whether it just kind of ran its course and you guys grew in different directions. And then move on. Because if you're not dead yet, you have an opportunity to kind of recreate yourself. And, and life, for the most part, is good. You know, you talk about changing the name. Fewer and fewer people are actually taking their spouse's name these days. Or if they are, they're hyphenating it. I never took my spouse's name for the five minutes that we are married. And you don't have to change your name. Like my mom and my dad were married, I think, until I was 16 or 17. She kept her name because she wanted to have the same last name as her kids. A name is just a name it's what you actually feel and what you do and what you accomplish. And I know a bunch of people who have really embraced the idea of starting their next chapter and growing and evolving um, as a result of ending that relationship or ending it the way it was in its current form and moving on to something new.
2: We have some more of our interview with Laura, but first we have a quick break for word from our sponsor. So we've kind of been dancing around this, our quarantine times as we come to you from our home studios a lot already. Um, Have you, so you mentioned that you don't think divorce is actually going to go up as a result of this.
4: I, look, I, we saw what the statistics were from China, that there was a huge spike as soon as their quarantine ended. And I got like, you know, 4,000 phone calls from news organizations asking me to comment on it. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, what's? how long does it take to get divorced in China? I, I feel it must be an easier process than it is in the United States because... There were so many in such a short period of time. Also remember their, whatever they call them, divorce offices, their divorce courts or registry was closed for two or three months. So even those people who had been in line to get a divorce before, they got knocked out. So you had all those people. Then you had the people that had been quarantined. And then I also read a really interesting statistic, which is that almost immediately after all of those divorces spiked, a bunch of those people got remarried because they were probably like, wait a minute, and now that I'm not like cooped up with him in the house, maybe I can deal with him again. <laughs> so I think, look, I, I, and, and it, I've seen all the jokes and the posts on Instagram about how, you know, it is absolutely difficult to be cooped up with anybody for a certain period of time. I'm sure my kids would love to be able to divorce me when this is over. But once it's done and we're through it, life goes back to normal. So keep that in mind. The other thing is I have actually now, what is it, three, three weeks in, four weeks in, Heard from a lot of people who are saying like, once we got like our boundaries set, once we got a routine going, once this became our new normal, and especially since we kept in mind that it was a temporary new normal, we really started enjoying each other. We really started being able to communicate on a deeper level. We actually were forced to address some of the issues that were in our relationship. It wasn't fun. It was kind of messy, but we didn't have anything else to do. So we kind of delved into it and we're getting along even better. And so without sounding totally like everything is unicorns and rainbows and flowers, because I don't think the Disso Queen should sound like that, (laughs) I will say that I think there is an upside to this. There is a silver lining to this. And if we make the best of it, I think you may see people come out of their relationships with a better, deeper understanding of each other than they had before.
3: Well, I, I definitely would agree with you. I'm kind of in a thing. I'm definitely in a relationship. Wow. No, it definitely was like, we had a big argument and we've kind of grown from it and definitely brought us closer together, which is as a person who is somewhat stunted in relationships, I've talked to many of the facts of like, I don't understand it completely. And I've had to survey my friends. What is this relationship thing? I don't understand this level of commitment and wanting to stay when you're annoyed by something like, why wouldn't you automatically leave? I don't get it. But putting ourselves into this quarantine lifestyle is kind of like, oh, this is kind of nice to be able to go through something with somebody and share an experience with somebody. And as I was joking about the fact that we have to stand because you are the Disso Queen, which, by the way, (laughs) are you okay with that title? Do you like that title?
4: You know, I, 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 you will see this, ladies, at a certain age, you just, there's something called acceptance. Like for years, <laughs> my initials are Law, Laura Allison Wasser, and for years I fought it. And then when I hit 40, I was like, oh, just go with it. Get a couple monograms, just go with it. <laughs> and then for like probably the first, I don't know, three or four years that they were calling me the Disso Queen, I mean... Nobody else calls me that except for if they're joking around on an interview or something like this. But I certainly wouldn't get like a personalized license plate saying it or anything. I'm not proud of it, but I've just accepted it. It is what it is. I mean, I guess there's worse things to be called.
3: I was gonna say, Sminty may have to do a gift that says "Disco so, Queen." We, we must stand. <laughs> but when you see, because we were, I was kind of joking about the fact that because you do have a list on your resume of high profile. Uh, trials and, and uh, divorce cases, do you see a difference in between that and the norm of people? Is there
4: a different
3: level of how you handle it and how you kind of approach things? Not really.
4: I mean, yeah. besides the media and having to say like, hey, if we're going into a custody case, maybe going to the club totally wasted, not the best idea because no, you you or me going, nobody cares. Right. That person going, they're going to take a video of him or her coming out. It's going to be on DMZ or whatever else. So besides the media of it all and the fact that when we file things, at least in the state of California, and I think most states, they're public. Mm -hmm. And so any mud that you sling that you want a judge to read and make a determination is also going to be reported in whatever it is, whether it's the 24-7 media like online or even if it's in, you know, the New York Times. But for that... They're just like us. Right? They have the same levels of sadness and fear and anxiety. They want to make sure their kids are going to be okay. They want to know if they're going to be okay. And again, it's all relative. Is it a matter of whether or not I'm going to be living in my car or my, you know, 55,000 square foot mansion? Is it who's going to go to the company Labor Day picnic with me or who am I going to walk down the red carpet with at the Oscars? It's all relative, but it really is the same. And I do, I think divorce is the great equalizer. Relationships are the great equalizers. And so, no, it is kind of astounding how those super famous, glamorous people, I mean, I've heard them say things and tell stories where you're like, oh, that that happened to me too. I mean, it's the exact same thing. And it really is an interesting study in human nature, how people really all kind of go through the similar process. Right. And that makes a lot of
2: sense. It does. It does. I know uh, lately your name has gotten thrown around a lot because people say Marriage Story, Laura Dern's character, was based after you. <laughs> and you kind of like...
4: Uh. <laughs> well, that character was an ass... <laughs> sorry, sorry. <you're trying> leave <laughs> to sleep again. Um... And and in fairness, they I did know the people that made the movie, um, the guy that wrote it and directed it, his wife was actually a client of mine, but his son and my son go to school together, so he talked to me about it. I represented Laura Dern when she got divorced from Ben Harper, so we talked about it. And really, you know, I think what they were trying to do is compile a caricature of attributes of some kind of like a badass feminist divorce attorney. And they all said, it's not you, it's not you. That You know, they had, they had to be like a villain. You know, she's... I've had people call me and go, she was amazing. I wish I had her. And I was like, she was horrible. But she had good clothes. I'll give her that. And her office looked a lot like my office. And um, I think it's a... My take on the whole thing is that it was kind of a cautionary tale. And if you don't want what happened to them to happen to you, except for in the end, they did come out of it okay, and almost everyone does. In the end, you come out of it okay. It's just how much money and toxic energy you spend going through the process. So if anybody watches that movie and takes away from it, like, I don't want to hire a lawyer who's going to try to, like, get me more than i even want or need or who's going to complicate things and have a may have a terrible relationship with my ex then then they've done a good job because they've shown people that this is not how it needs to be
2: we have a little bit more for you listeners but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor
1: snag a job is where america goes to hire
3: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Our audience is mostly women, um, and it is about feminism. And I was wondering if you have any observations you've picked up or gleaned over the years um, when it comes to women in divorce Whether on both sides of it, like on your side, the lawyer
4: side, and the person pursuing it side. So, I mean, I'll say this. When I started practicing law in the early 90s, I was one of the few women that did this. It was a, particularly in Southern California, it was a field that was mostly reserved for older men. And my dad was a family law attorney. So that's why I went into it because it was right around the time I was getting the results of the bar exam and I had been working for a nonprofit and my husband at the time and I split up and I needed money. So I went to my dad and said, can I come work for you? So I got into it and because I had grown up in this town and because I did know a lot of people... I was able to kind of establish a client list and became a rainmaker at the firm. But a lot of times we'd go to court and frankly, still, because a lot of those guys are still practicing. They're in their 70s and 80s. And we'll go to court and I'll be standing there next to this old guy who like, you know, look, mad respect. He's been doing it forever. I get it. But like now I've been doing it forever, too. And I can still hear. So if I like (laughs) talk softly, the judge can hear me, but they, but my, my, my opposing counsel can't hear me. There is, was still some chauvinism going on. There was still like, oh honey, sit down, you know, Um, and I always kind of just went with the work ethic of, I'm going to know everything about my case. I'm going to listen to the judge and and watch what he or she is doing up on the bench. And often we would prevail just as a result of like not thinking that we were so great, whatever. And so now in this field, there's a lot more women that practice. There's a lot of women that practice at my firm because we've expanded and I've made it so that there's better maternity leave and all that kind of stuff because I think it's really important. In terms of women divorce generally, what I've seen over the past 10, 15 years is there's so many more women breadwinners And again, a lot in California, a lot in Los Angeles, a lot in the entertainment industry. So I'll have a woman come in and she'll go, you know, we both went to college and we were superstars and we were this great couple. And now for the past 15 years, he's kind of been on the couch in his boxers writing a script or writing an album. And I'm working my butt off and I'm still paying for nannies and I'm still doing the play dates and I'm still arranging everything for the school parent-teacher conferences. So I want out and I'll go, great, let's see how much do you make and what do you have? And then I tell her, okay, so you're going to have to give half of everything, including your retirement, to him. And then you're probably going to have to pay him spousal support and possibly child support along with the nanny who you're still paying. And she's like, I don't understand. I'm the mom. And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, the law is blind when it comes to gender. You're the breadwinner. You're going to have to pay him. And she's like, I came in here to get this albatross off from around my neck. And you're basically telling me I'm still going to be paying him just as much and I'm like, yeah, but you can sleep with somebody else now. And she's like, okay, there is that. <laughs> um, so we are seeing a lot. I mean, people still don't really realize, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you are getting married, you're entering into a contract, and it doesn't matter if you have a penis or a vagina. If you're the one making more money, you are the one who is going to be ending up paying the support. So keep an eye on that throughout your relationship. And the other thing is kind of like, always know the financial situation, whether you're the breadwinner or not. If it's a dual income family, I have a lot of women. We as women seem to not be as down with the numbers and the finances. And so even if we are the breadwinners, we'll let somebody else take control of the checkbook and the bank accounts. And certainly when we're not the breadwinners, he will often say, let me do it. It's my money. I make it. I'll share it with you. It's fine. But I've had women the most glamorous, sophisticated, they could get a reservation at any restaurant in town. They've got their own personal shopper at Neiman Marcus and Barney's when it still existed. And they'll come in and go, I'm so embarrassed. I have no idea what we have. I have no idea what he makes. I don't even have a credit card that's in my own account. It just is my name on his black card. So one thing I would say to young people, all people getting married, but particularly women, even though it's not the most sexy or interesting make sure you know where the bodies are buried with the finances. If you are wealthy and you guys have a business manager, an accountant, get in there once a week and or a month or a year, but find out, have, you know, there should be a certain amount of transparency about the finances so that you're never in the situation that I see so many clients in, where they're really kind of starting from scratch and learning all about it. Yeah, actually, that
3: kind of brings me to a different question. Um, when we talk about a lot of, marriage situations and, and then we talk about domestic violence and abuse. What would your uh, advice be for women who are trying to seek a way out that are in an abusive situation who may be financially manipulated as well as emotionally and physically?
4: that's when I would actually seek counsel. Those are the few people that I think really do need counsel. And there are low-cost options. I mean, first of all, get out of there. If you're being abused, you need to get out. And as I said, even with this pandemic, courts across the country are still open for individuals who need to get out of a domestic violence situation or actually get their partner about out if they're perpetrating domestic violence. And then you can you know, live in the house, the apartment, whatever, without... Being in fear for your for your safety or your kids. And then thereafter, there will be, there must be in every jurisdiction, every state in the US, there has to be full disclosure as you are filing for divorce. So you will find out the information that you may not have known during the relationship. You'll find out what your spouse or partner earns, what kind of assets there are that must be disclosed, and then at that point you'll have a better handle even if it's not a ton of money, of how you're going to pay the rent on the apartment and how you're going to buy food for the kids. And you know when the kids go back to school, I would get into the workforce. I mean, I'm look, I'm from a generation that my mom worked, I work, my kids see a working mom. I think it's really important that we all keep our foot in the door of the workforce, if you can. And again, I think it's possible in this day and age with the kind of daycare opportunities we have, preschool opportunities we have. I had two kids while I was a lawyer, while I was practicing. I'll also say this. When I was pregnant both times, could not lose in court. People would send me to departments for their cases that I had nothing to do with because when I was pregnant, I couldn't lose. <laughs> they were probably afraid I was going to, my water was going to break while I was in there. They're like, yes, Miss Wasser, whatever it is you're asking for, just please leave. Please leave the courthouse. <laughs> please don't give birth. Just just go. <laughs> Uh, are there any other changes you've noticed during um, COVID 19? I mean, we've had a lot of questions about shared custody, people wanting to change their custody schedules because one or the other was worried. Um, obviously this has been kind of the spring break period. So if kids were traveling to a different you know, states to see their other parent, that's had to be curtailed. So we've ended up doing a lot of these kind of Zoom conferences, FaceTime, Skype, because I think it's important even if you're not able to be with your kids that your kids are able to see you for a certain period of time each day, depending on their ages and their, their verbal abilities and stuff like that. Uh, and then we've seen a real rush to try to modify support. I mean, people are not working. I've got a lot of touring musicians. I've got a lot of athletes. And they're like, how am I supposed to pay the support when I am not making any money? And I will say, totally sucks. Totally get it. But again, you can't just cut it off. This is a person who's depending on the support each month. We have to come to a reasonable solution to this. She can't go out and get a job right now anyway. Maybe she was sitting around eating bonbons before. But no one's working right now. How do we handle this in a way that makes the most sense and isn't going to cost you, again, the most money or the most toxic energy? Because it's not good for your kids if they're worrying that their mom's not going to get a check next month and there's not going to be any food on the table. That's not good for them.
3: Right. What would your advice be for people who who were in the middle of trying to get divorced and trying to get their place, but now are stuck?
4: I mean, just kind of chill, roll with it, realize that this, you know, I've had so many clients. And again, maybe one other difference about representing wealthy people is a lot of them just feel like this pandemic is happening to them. I'm like, okay, well, at least you're not living in your car. I mean, (laughs) but I feel like, you know, this might, like I said, with people who are happily married and now going through what some of the difficulties of of quarantine even if you're in the middle of getting divorced i mean i'm talking to clients every day i'm trying to get them on some kind of therapy you know whether it's online or with somebody that they can talk to on the phone you kind of got to roll through it i read a really good article last week by a woman who they had just broken up they had just broken they had rented an apartment and then together and she found out that he was cheating on her so she was like forget it she went there she packed up all of her stuff she left Two days later, we had the shelter in place and she didn't have anywhere else to be for the quarantine and she couldn't rent another place. It was an expensive Manhattan lease. So she went back and now they're living together. And the first few days, she said, were really rough. She said, I'm never getting back together with him, but we're kind of, we're friends. I liked him at one point. We can't afford two different places, particularly now. She said, I still get up and get dressed every morning not only just to kind of give myself a sense of purpose but also so that he can see that I'm how hot I am and what he's going to be missing when this is over. <laughs> and she said and I'm not going to like fall into the trap of like fooling around with him but we play board games, we do have a glass of wine at night together and I and he is a friend and hopefully when this is all over one of two things will happen. Either we'll part ways, we'll never see each other again, but we'll remember this period of time has been kind of an interesting, weird you know, blip on the radar. Or two, we will still end up being good friends and we'll introduce new prospective partners to each other or whatever because we will have grown closer. It's like those movies where two people get stuck in an elevator together for a certain period of time and then they go their separate ways. So look we're all in this together. We got to get through it together. It's going to it's gonna happen. Um, and this is a really interesting time in the history of humankind. So we kind of just kind of look at the bigger picture of it and, and move through. It's not, it's awkward. No question about it. <laughs> awkward to be getting divorced in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I would agree.
2: Awkward.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward for a lot of us. Yes. though. it's
2: okay. Well, thank you so much. Are there any uh, closing thoughts before we... Uh, give you space to tell the listeners where to find you? Yes,
4: um, closing thoughts. Just do remember that um, we are in this together and there are plenty of, I've seen online, ways to reach out if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling like you need to connect. And use this time to hopefully do something that it feels good. It doesn't have to be your most productive moment, but hopefully there will be a kind of a calm that overcomes you. Maybe, like I said, at day 25 or something that will enable you to be better when we come out of this because we will come out of it. I don't know when, but we will come out. And we're gonna need to be armed with some pretty interesting new tools to deal with whatever the next chapter is. So those would be my words of wisdom, so to speak.
2: (laughs) Awesome, love it. Um, Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you?
4: Yes. So I'm on iHeart also at All's Fair with Laura Wasser. I am on Instagram at Laura Wasser Official or It's Over Easy. We have two accounts. It's Over Easy is the blog that we have all the information you could ever want about uh, relationships, breakups, whatever it is in your state, we are national. If you are considering getting divorced, please look us up because it's $1,500 for everything. And there's also a great index with referrals for all kinds of people who can help you through the process and after the process. And... Yeah, check us out. We would love having input from people on any of those platforms, especially younger people, especially people that are kind of interested in how maybe, I wouldn't say a full generation, but maybe people 10, 15 years ahead of you guys in this, how we're kind of just bumbling through it the same as you all are.
2: So that brings us to the end of our interview with Laura. Um, We would love to hear from you listeners. How's your... Relationship status during this quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I had no idea
3: Laura Dern and Ben Harper had been a couple. They were married. That completely just blew my
2: mind. So, how far behind are you in the pop culture trend? Then, how far behind does that make you? Oh, real, real far. (laughs) I love it. You're getting bombshells from like like, what? (laughs) That's that was your takeaway. That was a moment. I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, we would love 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 to hear from you listeners you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com you can find us on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou or on Twitter at momstuffpodcast thanks as always to our super producer Andrew Howard Thank you, and thanks to you for listening Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows Start planning
3: your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive